Hi, Chris Valentin here. Welcome to Cultural Catalyst, where we help you learn how to be fully alive and co-labor with God to change the world. And today I have my really close friend, Dano McCollum, with me. Dano, welcome. So glad you're here. Thanks, Chris. Great to be with you. And Dano is a prophet who oversees a network called the Company of Prophets. We've been working together, I don't know, somewhere around 15 years. We do the School of Prophets, I think, almost every year. I think we missed a year or two in 15 or 16 years. And Dano, you're building a team of, of prophetic people and prophets, and uh, you're having a big impact on the world. And so um, I'm really, really excited to have, have you on here. Uh, Dano, how long have you been training and teaching people in prophetic ministry? Well, um, probably 25, 30 years, starting back with youth groups that I was training just in the basics of hearing the voice of the Lord, you know, and uh, then later with worship leaders, we were helping them kind of recognize what God was saying over their city, their region, their nation, and then compose songs from that. And then it became a little more centralized. The call became a little more centralized around uh, building prophetic communities and uh, and helping prophets kind of identify their lane. That's so good. You have a ministry. Let's talk about your the ministry you've had for a long, long time in the nations. Uh, I actually forgot the name of it, but you 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 do prophetic worship and for all the nations. Uh, tell that story where the Lord really called you into that, and then let let our listeners know exactly what it is you're doing on that side. Sure. That's called Sounds of the Nations. That was birthed about 21 years ago. And uh, I I just had this encounter. It was actually what the Bible would call an open vision, where I was taken to different places around the world, India, Africa, uh, Romania. And uh, I was watching them do songs from the Western world. And uh, when I came out of the encounter, I had this sense that the reason they were doing that is because their song had been stolen away or minimalized or villainized in the sense of saying it was evil or demonic. And I began to cry out to the Lord, Lord, somebody has to do something about this. And he said, yeah, you. (laughs) And so, uh, so then we uh, began to figure that out and, and work in nations to help them. Uh, really take what the Lord was saying over their city, region, or nation and turn it into songs that were appropriate for their culture, using their instruments, using their language, using their metaphors. Uh, we've done that in about 74 language groups now. Oh and we've, yeah, we've had our Telugu band has led over 1.2 million people to Christ. We've had that's in, is that's in India, right? That's in India. Yeah. India. Is that amazing? Yeah. We've had probably a dozen, 12 to 15 of our artists on the red carpet as the number one artist in their nation. Uh, One of our Australian artists was just given the lifetime achievement award for music from the nation of, of Australia. So that is completely amazing. Yeah. That that's so amazing. Uh, Just, being able to, uh, you know, when we get to heaven, it's going to be all tribes, all nations, all tongues. And I, I love, uh, we've had this conversation on a, on a, so many times about how the Lord really honors every tribe, every tongue, every nation, how he 
how he loves the diversity of the nations and how he wants to preserve the, their sound, as you're, as you're pointing out, their sound, their song, their sound, their, their accent, their individual way they see life. It's all so beautiful. And I think as Americans, we get locked into thinking that America and the kingdom are the same thing, right? <laughs> I remember going to Africa and, you know, in, uh, in Africa, much of Africa, at least the parts that I were, I was in Kenya at the time. And they never pick you up on time. They never do anything on time. They give you all these times. And then they, they don't, and then I figured out after three days, nobody wears a watch and there's no <laughs> clock on any wall and they, they don't eat at noon. They eat when they're hungry, you know, it, like, and, and I remember just being so frustrated with their inability to actually, you know, to actually have some structure based on time. And I remember coming home on the plane, super frustrated after nine days of, you know, things starting an hour late, two hours late, or, you know, just, just the, and then I, and I remember just being upset with it. And the Lord said to me, uh, yeah, that's, I understand your, your frustration, give me a verse for thou shall be on time. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, that's a, that's an American and Western <laughs> culture thing. So such, you know, different, different, different values. Dano, um, what is, uh, what's the importance of having a prophetic community? We'll kind of move back to the prophetic. What, you, you have a prophetic company that is now reaching I don't know how many nations you're in, but very similar to the sounds of the nation. You are you are actually discipling so many people, specifically, uh, not exclusively, but specifically in the whole prophetic ministry, including the office of a prophet, not just prophetic people. Why are you doing that? Like, what, what motivates you to do that? Uh, such a great question. You know, uh, it was probably now 10 or 12 years ago. Graham Cook, who's an author and prophet, yeah, uh, asked me the question, Dano, do we, are we a prophetic company or do we just love prophecy? And I, yeah. I said, I don't know. I probably <laughs> sum of both. You know, what is, what is I hate being around company? smart people. They're just always messing up our life. <laughs> oh, totally, totally. And, and, you know, he wouldn't even answer the question either. Yeah. He just kind of like in a Gandalf way says, you know, well, that would be a great exploration with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, he was right. It turned into this exploration of, Lord, what's what's the difference between people who love prophecy and people who are truly a prophetic company? And, uh, and, and that kind of began this journey of, wow, what would prophetic communities, prophetic companies look like? And as I looked in the Bible, Chris, I, I saw that, you know, 6,000 years ago, there were prophetic companies that, uh, that Samuel uh, yeah. must have raised up because, you know, in, it, in the beginning of the book, it says the word of the Lord was rare in his time. And at the end of the book, it says now a company of prophets came down from the high places. And it's wow. like, how do you get from no visions to actually a whole company of prophets? You know, something happened there. Wow, that is and, uh, Beautiful. We fast forward a hundred years and David's surrounding himself with prophets like Nathan and Gad and uh, yeah. then the, all the musical prophets and, you know, 500 years more. And we're in the time of Elijah and Elisha and there were 
companies of prophets at Bethel and at Jericho and at Jordan. And, and, yeah. and so we see that the company of the prophet was actually kind of the biblical standard. Even in the New Testament, it says a group of prophets came down from Jerusalem and among them was the prophet named Agabus. And so I, I felt like there was something we had lost so in good. our individuality that we had lost a something of what the Lord wanted to build. You know, I've just finished a book on fathering and you're, you're stimulating so many thoughts around whole prophetic because I, one of my chapters and probably the, the catalyst for the book was the Malachi mandate. If you will, I call it the Malachi mandate. It's, you know, Elijah will return. Elijah, I'll send in the last days, I'll send Elijah the prophet and he will restore the hearts of fathers to sons and daughters and sons and daughters to, uh, to, to fathers. And so I, I studied the life of Elijah with that in the context or in the vision of that verse, thinking, oh, why was it Elijah? I mean, what? I mean, why are you sending Elijah? What, what, how about Moses or David? Or you know, why is why is it Elijah that's returning? And I I, I saw this thing I'd never seen before, uh, actually by accident. I was just rereading this the the you know. Uh, you know, First Kings three uh, about Elijah and Elisha, and I'm like, isn't this interesting? Well, actually, that's in First Kings, uh, that's in First Kings uh, nineteen, where God, where Elijah goes into the cave, an orphan prophet, and he leaves a prophetic father, and he goes wow. into the cave as I'm alone. There's no other prophets. Everyone's turned away. He goes in there by himself, and eight years later, it, it is it moves from the company of prophets to the sons of the prophets, and he is their father. and And I think it's it's so beautiful because he's freaked out with Je- with, uh, with Jezebel, and the Lord gives him a prescription. You know, it's not you know he wants to die. He's depressed. He's discouraged. He's got a, an odd view of society. He thinks that, you know, the prophets, that Jezebel's killing the prophets when in fact he just killed 450 prophets of Baal. Yeah. And he says all of Israel has went after Baal and actually they've just went after God the day before. And he says, I alone am left. And God's like, no, I got actually 7,000 more like you. And so he enters and God gives him this. God tells him to do two things. Get back to your ministry, anoint Jehu king, anoint this other guy king, and then Go find a son, and he becomes he le- he he enters the 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 cave as an orphan prophet, and he leaves as a father with sons. So I think Come it's so on. beautiful. It's beautiful wow. what you're doing in the nations because so you know strong. you're not just bringing you're not just a company of prophets. You are a father to all of these prophets all over the world, and it, it's crazy beautiful. Um, <laughs> Did God give you this vision for this developing a company of prophets? How, how did it? How did you get the passion for this thing? Because this is not easy, right? I mean, this sounds, you know, there's always the excitement, but, you know, the angels are in the details, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's a lot of work. <laughs> do you feel like the Lord gave you this vision or do you feel like just something that, you know, you? I think it's, I think it's a bigger I think it's a bigger call than just myself. And 
um, I, I, what happened is out of that conversation with Graham, I, when I saw it in the word and when I saw how rich it was and so important it was like, um, it's almost like there was an elitism in the prophetic office that was keeping the saints from really being equipped in recognizing the voice of the Lord. And um, so it's like, I'm like, wow, I grew up in a culture where the word of the Lord was rare (laughs) and there were not many visions, you know, and, and, and yet that's not how I want to end my life. I want to end my life where there are company of prophets everywhere. And I want to see other people take on that call as well. So I I don't know that it was as divinely orchestrated as some of the other assignments I've had in life, but I would have to say that um, I became provoked from the scripture itself and from what I wanted to see in my generation and began to journey with the Lord to create the future I wanted to see. (laughs) You know, I think this is beautiful, and I think it speaks to our audience, too, because uh, a lot of people are waiting, they're, quote, I'm waiting on God. And like, well, for one, I'd say he ain't that slow. And and secondly, he loves partnerships with people that that actually have a heart, right? Absolutely. They, They have a heart for things. I was thinking about Elijah, again, because I just studied, finished my study of Elijah, there's no, there's no record that God ever told Elijah to stop the rain. There's only a record that uh, that God told Elijah to start the rain three and a half years later. And Elijah actually got that idea just from reading the Bible, because God said, you know, in, in the Old Testament, if you if nations serve other gods, it won't, it won't rain. And of course, Jezebel and Ahab were serving Baal. And Elijah's just like, whoa, how come it's not, how come it's raining? And you know, and we're serving other gods. So this is so, I think it's beautiful when God speaks to you and specifically tells you to do something. I also think when you look in the heart of God and you're like, wow, the Bible says this, but we're experiencing this. It's beautiful when you just jump in there and you you find you find a groove to help people and love people. Hey, what does it look like to, like, you're, you're pastoring prophets and, and prophetic people. So uh, on a practical basis, on an everyday, like what exactly are you doing? How are you helping them? How are you? How have you actually discipled and fathered prophets? And and is there an ongoing way that people that would listen to this could get involved in some way? Yeah, we have a lot of branches, Chris. I, I mean, the kind of ground zero is our uh, prophetic activation training, where we train people in 12 spiritual receptors and how to activate those within their life to recognize and respond to the voice of God. And that really comes from Joel 2.28, that, um, where it says that in the last days, says the Lord, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And it talks about the visions and the dreams. And, and, um, and so, you know, I, I felt like the Lord kind of prompted me to read that when I pour out my spirit, every son and daughter can prophesy. And, uh, and, and just knowing how much it dignifies the believer to have confidence in the voice of God, the first challenge on wow. planet earth to the goodness of God was, did God really say? And we've been plagued with an uncertainty ever since. Wow. 
And nothing will make us more confident or more dignified than being able to recognize and respond to the voice of God. And so that's kind of ground zero for us is just training people in recognition. We believe the challenge is never getting God to speak. God is always speaking. The challenge is in recognizing all the different ways that God speaks. So good. And so we are training people in voice recognition, you know, in those ways yeah. that God communicates his thoughts, his heart, and his voice. And Dan, I have a question that my team wrote here, and I don't actually know what it means. So what do, what does it look like to unlock a teachable method? I never heard you use that phrase. Does that that phrase mean something to you? Unlock well, a teachable I, method. I know what they're talking about because, mm-hmm. I, Chris, I've been accused a lot of creating formulas and word associations for people to um, to people for people to make up their own prophecies, so to speak. Oh. And um, and so I I do teach a method. But that method is for recognizing and responding the ways that God's responding to the ways that God speaks. I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not teaching them necessarily how to prophesy. I'm yeah. teaching them how to recognize the voice of the Lord. And, and so I'm creating scenarios um, where they can experience that and practice that so that as it happens in real life, they will know how to respond. Um, you know, we are, I love this saying that we are currently moving at the speed of our own obedience. However wow. long it takes us to recognize that God is speaking and then to obey that, that is our rate of acceleration. And, and so when we're wanting things to happen faster, we need to recognize faster and respond faster because you know, obviously obedience is a love language of the Holy Spirit. He said, if you love me, you'll obey me. And so we are kind of reverse engineering what the voice of the Lord looks like in everyday life and humanity so that people can step up to the plate, so to speak, with an accelerated obedience. So we're not teaching a form without godliness, but we are uh teaching people in a structured way to um, learn a language, the language of heaven. And, um, and I think what has happened is that people have relegated the prophetic to a realm of sovereignty in the sense that, well, you know, God rarely speaks, but when he does, it just will invade your life and you'll know it. Um, uh, so they've relegated to, to that. And then also, again, there's this sense of uh, kind of elitism again, that uh, he only speaks to special people in special circumstances or to really, really holy people. But again, this is what was accomplished in the cross of Jesus is that so good. he for he forgave us of sin so he could free us of sin so he could fill us with the fullness of God so that every son and daughter could know his thoughts his heart and his voice and so i'm not trying to teach a form without the power but i realize that we're lacking power because we have no pathways 
for really teaching people the language of the Lord, the language of the Father. So that's kind of what we're doing is uh, teaching voice recognition through a structured pathway. That's so beautiful. Proverbs, uh, Solomon wrote this, uh, it's the glory of God to hide a matter and it's the glory of kings to search it out. And I think that one of the things that we've learned together, you and I, on this journey that we've been on together is how to search it out. And the fact that God is hiding things for me, not from me, but the value you place on the word determines the power you receive from the word. So the this, the challenge is to find what God's hidden from you. No, find what God's hidden for you so that you can have an impact on the world. So powerful. Okay, so now we're going to get to my favorite subject, and that is uh, right now you guys, you're, you've developed a ministry called Finders. That's and right. I, 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 won't, I, I won't take away your, your thunder. I'll let you tell the whole story, but <laughs> this is my... This is my this is my favorite my I think this is one of my favorite things that you're actually accomplishing with the people that you're raising up because we talked about this this uh this particular ministry years and years and years ago just across the table a few times when we were talking about wouldn't it be awesome if the police actually you know were able to instead of calling the psychics they were able to call the church when there was lost children there was a crime they couldn't solve when there was you know, when they needed intelligence. And so tell, tell, tell the story and, and, and uh, let our audience know what you're doing. This is going to be, you're going to love this, by the way, if you're still tuned in, <laughs> this, is, uh, this is very exciting. So yeah, seven years ago, the Lord said, what would prophecy look like as a life skill, not just as a ministry skill? And he began to challenge me to look for true life applications of spiritual intelligence. And I was, uh, although that language came later, Chris, that's your yeah. language, but yeah, <laughs> but I anyway. got a patent on that, man. Don't steal my <laughs> SQ. And so I was walking through a Walmart and as I was leaving, there were all these pictures on the wall of missing children and, and it cut me to the quick. And, uh, at the time I was studying, uh, Catholic saints and had just studied St. Nicholas, who is, you know, the one this that is we crazy. St. Nicholas, yeah. Santa Claus, Santa Claus, folks. In, in the four, in the fifth century, in the four hundreds, uh, he was a, a monk that broke up a child trafficking rink using a, um, using a word of knowledge. So he had a word of knowledge dream and found that children were being smuggled out in pickle barrels. Well, I had just read that, and then I saw these pictures on the wall, and I said, I wonder if we could do something about this problem. I looked it up, and Chris, I found out from uh, missingchildren.com that 2,000 children go missing in America every day. Every Every day. day. Every day. And I'm like, this is a plague. Somebody's got to do something. So I pulled 10 of those posters off the wall. And we began to pray over them. And the short story is this, that one of those girls that had been missing for two and a half years, uh, we got information about, and she was found two days later. And you got uh, information. After, yes, go ahead. You're going to yeah, tell the story about how you got the information. 
Okay, so we had about 120 people in our training. We divided up into 10 teams of 12. Each one had an individual poster. I gave them only the poster, but I actually had a three by five card that had some of the backstory on it that no one else knew. On each child? On each child. So as they were praying over these, one of the groups got got names and they got the names of the two guys that had taken this girl. They got the car, the make, the model, and the, and the year of the car, the color of the car that uh, had abducted this girl. So when they got all of that right, which was information I knew, but they didn't know, and information that was not public, um, I knew we were on the right, right track. So then I said, okay, guys, now, is she alive or has she passed? And they prayed and they said, uh, we see her alive. We do see her tied up. And uh, then we prayed and asked the Lord what we should do. And, and uh, they just prayed that her ropes would be loosened and that uh, she would be able to escape. And that's what happened. Um, so wow. then, Chris, within about two weeks, the, uh, one of the police um, sergeants in our city, who also was the son of our senior leader, um, came and said, listen, I heard about what happened. We have two missing children right now. One of them is special needs and needs medication or they're going to die, you know, and it's serious. Do you have anything? And uh, the little team in the office there, we gave some clues. And through those clues, both of those children were found uh, within just a few hours. Um, wow. And uh, so then it began to just kind of go viral from there. And we started receiving calls from uh, all over the U.S. and all around the world and from FBI people and CIA people and all kinds of stuff. And so, Chris, just recently, uh, our one of our teams, we have about 400 uh, really solid core members right now that work all around the world uh, in the Finders. But our core team uh, was approached by an agency in Australia to locate um, refugees in Afghanistan um, during this whole turnover. Um, And so we were able to give the location of about 12 refugees so that they could be rescued out because all contact had been broken off with the Taliban uh, invasion. So. Uh, that just happened about two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago. My goodness. And you have a total of about 3,000 people that are in some place in this finders ministry and about 400 of them that are your core finders. Is that true? or That or? has been true. We've had as many as 4,000 that were like online, you know, kind of uh, submitting some information or or just kind of learning some training, but about 400 that have been really kind of dependable and regular around the world. And then many have gone on to, to form their own teams uh, in other nations. There's, a, there's an organization in South Asia that uses our method that is working at the highest levels of government um, as advisors using the methodology that we, that we taught. That is so amazing. So amazing. Well, Dano, 
we're going to bring this to a close. Is there anything that you would want to share or anything that you'd want to say as we bring this whole thing to a close today? Well, I would just say this to every believer that's out there. I would say you can prophesy like because you were made with a God connection. You were literally made for every fiber of your being to resonate with the voice of the Lord, with, with his heart for you and with his thoughts towards you, which are as many as the sands of the seashore. And it's a myth that it's hard to hear the voice of God. That's not true at all. It is the most natural thing to you in the world. And all restrictions have been removed through the person of Christ. Wow. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit has made it so accessible to you to experience this divine intel that can set you apart. It's one of the things that sets us apart from just a religion is this wow factor and the now factor of you knowing the voice, the heart, and the thoughts of God. This is God's gracious, gracious gift towards every son and daughter. So I really encourage you to pursue it and to uh, get with other people. Um, Great way to test whether you're really hearing the voice of God or not is to, you know, bounce it off a few other people too. What are they hearing? What is, what is, you know, how are they responding to the information you're getting? But just start, just start. It's there and it delights the heart of the father as we believe him and obey him in this pathway. So. So beautiful. Yeah. Start your own company of prophets. That's right. Your own community of prophetic people. That's really beautiful, Dan. You've got some books out. Can you give us the names of a couple of those books that you would recommend on prophetic ministry? Sure. Uh, The Prophetic Company is one that kind of lays out this whole idea, the biblical basis, some of the things we've done with it, and even my own journey out of not even believing in the prophetic. I was raised cessationist, not believing. So that's that's a good one. And then I made a companion to Chris's book. I think Chris's book on uh, basic training for prophetic ministry is one of the just clearest, simplest overviews of prophecy that's out there. So I, I just wrote an activation manual that goes with it so that as you're learning the principles that Chris clearly lays out, the truths that are there, you can also simply put them into practice. And so I created a companion manual called Basic Training in Prophetic Activation, and uh, it really serves alongside of what Chris has already created. Uh, One more tool is just we have a book called The Good Fight, which is a prophetic processing manual, because once you start getting some words in your life, what do you do with those? How do you judge them? How do you mobilize them? How do you partner with heaven to see it come about? That's what that book's all about. So thanks so much, Chris. That's beautiful. And uh, we'll we'll probably put it in the trailer here, but uh, give us your website number where we can people can get involved with your training and and get all your resources. Sure. Propheticcompany.com tells you about our ministry and has all kinds of links. And then uh, activateprophecy.com will take you right to some of our online resources. Uh, you know, an e-course you can jump into right now and begin your prophetic journey. Thank you so very much. Thanks for being on. Say hi to your beautiful wife and your ki- and your kids. And uh, I'll, I'll, I hope to see you soon, Dano. God All bless. Right. Love you, my friend. Bye-bye. Love you too. Bye now.